Hey listeners, it's Andrea. Today, we discuss how time passes in dreams. Beverly is so much braver than us, and we ask the question, how metallic does Ward's quarters smell? Come nerd out with us. Welcome to the TNG Podcast, the number one place in the Alpha Quadrant to geek out about all things Star Trek The Next Generation. I'm your co-host, Sharice. I'm your co-host, Andrea. Today, we're talking season four, episode 17, entitled Night Terrors. This episode was written by Shari Goodhearts and directed by Les Landau. The Enterprise crew is affected when they are adrift in a remote area of space and find themselves unable to dream, which is some pretty creepy stuff. Mm-hmm. This is a really, really creepy episode. What are your initial thoughts on this one? <laughs> My initial thoughts were, ugh, not another Troy episode. Here we go. <laughs> But actually, by the time I finished it, I was like, this actually wasn't that bad. In my memory, it's very bad and it's very Troy and it's very bad. Yeah. But in rewatching it, I was like, oh, no, there's actually like a little mystery here. And we're trying to mm-hmm. figure out what's going on. And I, I forgot all of that. I just remember Troy being like, oh, one moon circling. What does that mean? I just remember being yeah. like, oh, just make it. Yes. So my initial thoughts were night terrors. Is this the episode where the crew gets kidnapped in their sleep and then experimented on? No, oh, that episode then so I have good. no idea. Like then I, I was like, yeah, ah. um, you know, what's interesting is that you and I are not the only two people who thought this episode was terrible. Um, <laughs> Jonathan Frakes called this a shitty yawner of an episode. <laughs> I love how I love <laughs> how just wrong. upfront and honest he is. Um, Les Landau was like, this was the first episode that we filmed after the holiday hiatus. Everybody was sort of not really on their A game. Marina Sirtis was like, I love that it's a Troy episode because it's a vehicle for my character to advance. However, she's scared of heights and she had to be on this like harness. All right. Doing that Peter Pan up. thing, which, by the he, way, was really dumb. It was so fucking so there stupid was looking. no reason to do that to her at all. Why couldn't why couldn't she have just been standing in a cloudy area? There's Whatever. No anyway, she needs to float through space like that. No, was completely no, unnecessary. It, was, it was awful. Everybody the, thought this episode was awful. The CGI was not great. Like, oh, she, there, was, there was no need to put her through that trauma of being afraid of heights at all. She could have just been standing easily yeah she she really could have been it was terrible it's pretty terrible so the episode starts off with some suspenseful music and already we're like oh it's a mystery show and the ship is passing through the rim of a binary star system searching for a missing very pretty um searching for a missing science vessel the uss Britain. and they spot the ship but it's like a drift Mm -hmm. and life scans are really inconclusive and troy is like something is really off and my my first move would have been like, let's do some research. Let's try to hail them. Let's maybe download the ship's logs or something to kind of determine what's going on. But no, Riker's like, hey, let's just go over there. And I was like, no, nope. Well, Troy does sense. Troy senses, a, Troy senses a life sign there. So that's why they were like, away team, you got to go. Like get Crusher and you got to go. Because we haven't heard anything from the ship for 30 days. We don't know what's going on. It's been 29 days, but pretty much a month. We haven't heard anything from yes. them. And now Troy is sensing some kind of life form, but she can't put her finger on it. So yeah. they're worried that, yeah. you know, there could be some medical emergency. So that's why they're like, let's go. And they get mm-hmm. over there and there is one life sign, but they find the most horrendous scene when they get to this ship. Yes. Oh my God. Like people are dead all over the ship. Like and the captain's got like ways. a knife through her heart. Somebody else on the bridge has like a phaser at point blank range he basically on, like, is toast. like yeah he's basically all crispy like he's been in a fire Ugh. because they said someone hit him with a phaser and uh, you know this is one of the other phaser settings he wasn't disintegrated he was just like burned alive or something and you're like 
oh my gosh. And that's when Beverly's like, what happened to this crew? There, mm-hmm. there must have been some rogue force that came on board and viciously murdered every single person. Oh my God. It's and then really, like snuck away. It's super terrifying to think of this because, you know, Deanna does find one person is alive, potentially a beta Z. He's totally catatonic, like hiding in a closet, non-responsive, like obviously subjected to horrific amounts of trauma or something. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And meanwhile, Beverly is like, okay, people experience like hand-to-hand combat in the hallways. Some people were found dead, locked in their quarters with weapons stockpiled all around them. I was like, oh my God, this is the creepiest snapshot of the last moments of this crew. And you're like, Mm -hmm. what the fuck has been happening here? Mm -hmm. Oh my God. It's, it's super scary. This episode creeped me the hell out. Yeah. First of all, just seeing all the corpses is terrifying. Yeah. But then Beverly discovering that they killed each other is like, mm-hmm. wait a minute, that that's impossible. There's no way a Starfleet crew would turn on each other and murder one another in such horrendous ways. But she's oh, like, it's horrific. unmistakable. There was no other ship. There was no scary force that came in and messed with them and left. They just, yep. for some reason, turned on each other and killed each other. And so Troy's in sickbay with this um, betazoid and she's using her telepathic communication to try to break through to him, which Mm -hmm. is really cool because this is our first time seeing her using her telepathic communication with someone other than Riker or her mom. Yes. Yes. So she's kind of like flexing here where we're like, oh yeah, I forgot she could do that. She can do that. But unfortunately he is so far gone that he can't really tell her anything. I mean, he, he's experienced whatever the heck went on on this ship that we still don't Mm -hmm. know. And he's just, his mind is broken. And he's just like, uh, totally uh, broken. uh." And you're like, oh, this is not like her being able. I just don't think her talking to him was super helpful almost at all for the entire episode. It was just, you know, she was hoping like he's the only surviving witness, but he can't tell them anything. So they're just like, all right, well, um, I don't know. Let's just kind of get out of here and we'll just tow the ship with us and get out of the ship. It's, you know, let's just get underway. Agreed. Um, let's get the ship's power back up online. Turns out there's nothing wrong with the engines of the Britain, but like it won't move at all. Mm-hmm. And it's like, oh, crap. Um, so then Picard is like, why don't we get out of here? Only to find that they also cannot leave. And it's like, we could put the pedal to the metal, but like we don't actually go anywhere. Like this is super strange. And at this point, we see Keiko come home to miles and she's like oh this happened at work this happened at work and this happened at work and he's like where were you you were with him weren't you like he just sort of flew into this mm-hmm. rage over completely nothing mm-hmm. and he's and, she walks off- in and he's like pacing and everything and she's just like oh hey how's it going like she's just having a day and he just blows up just bites her head off over nothing you know, accuses her of, of having an affair and all this other stuff and she's like what are you t-? and she really took it in stride too she's just kind of like oh, miles what are you talking about like this must and be then some she's like somebody might be jealous if i didn't know any better and he's like get your hands off me and he storms off and she's like what the f just that poor keiko poor what keiko. happened poor keiko so, so he storms off to go have a drink with a buddy who tells him that like all kinds of weird things are starting to happen all over the ship mm-hmm And Beverly and Troy come to inform Picard that strange things are starting to happen everywhere. Mm -hmm. And they're afraid that whatever happened to the Britain might be starting to happen on the Enterprise. And I started getting shades of like the drunk virus from Naked Now. Yes. I was like, like, didn't we do this already where we found a ship floating in space with a bunch of corpses 
and there was and then a virus we started that, floating. Right. Then we started floating and we started acting crazy. Like, didn't we do this whole storyline before? Yes. Yes. <laughs> this is a complete rehash of like a season one or two episode. Which was a for complete sure. rehash of an original series episode. So it's yeah. like. Yeah. Ugh. It was a rehash of a rehash of an original series episode. But so, they did it differently. It wasn't a drug yeah. virus. So at least there's that. Yeah. Now data de- de- like determines that the ship has fallen into what's called a Tykens rift. It's a fissure that just drains energy, which explains why they don't have any propulsive energy. They can, they can, you know, engage warp nine and the, the engines are working, but they're not moving anywhere mm-hmm. because the more energy you put into it, the more just energy this thing sucks out. Yep. So that is what happened with the Britain. Now, um, when Crusher was talking to Picard about what had happened on the Britain and everybody killed each other, they, he, she did pull up the captain's like final log before oh, everything so went silent. Horrible, So horrible and creepy. The captain is completely like out of her mind. Mm-hmm. She's got these nervous ticks and she's ripping at her hair, which is super scary mm-hmm. and saying like, I know he did it. He did something to the end. You know, it's all just like paranoia and people, mm-hmm. you know, she said that so-and-so had to be eliminated. And it's like, Oh my God. Like you guys like absolutely lost your shit mm-hmm. in this in this rift. And there is actually a pretty good mystery here because the Titans rift will explain why they can't go anywhere, mm-hmm. but it doesn't explain why everybody is not falling into like REM sleep and nobody's dreaming and everybody's sleep deprived and they start losing their shit. Right. And that's kind of, and that's part of the mystery is because when data is explaining to them about the Titans rift in the observation lounge, he's talking about the, the doctor whose name was Titan who discovered all this because their crew was trapped in one and all this stuff. And that's when Beverly says, does that, or, or it's Picard, I don't remember, but one of them says, does that, ex- did, did his crew experience any of these symptoms that we're experiencing and that the Britain experience? And Data is just like, no, no one experienced anything like that. It was just an energy drain. They, they caused a huge explosion to push mm-hmm. themselves out of the rift and all was well, there was no, no other extra stuff. So that's mm-hmm. when Beverly starts kind of deep diving. Well, then what is causing our psychological, like breakdowns what is causing yeah. that then because it's not the titan's rift it's something else and that's when she kind of comes to the conclusion like oh my gosh no one's been dreaming no one but troy has been dreaming and i only realized it when troy told me about her dream because she's been having nightmares and then i thought what about my dreams and realized that no one's having dreams and then she mm-hmm. says this peculiar thing about you know at this point it's been 10 days that they're trapped in this rift and she says this peculiar thing that dream deprivation basically causes everybody to lose their crap. It causes all these mm-hmm. side effects like hallucination and irritability and loss of cognitive function. But yes. ultimately it leads to complete insanity. So my question for you is, did you do a deep dive on this? Because I don't know if any of that's true. I did do a deep dive on this. Yay! Because re- <laughs> I was like, I hope Andrea looks into this. Cause like, is any of that true that she just said? Like I could see irritability and loss of cognitive function, but yes. would, it, would it cause you to go insane? Yes, it can cause you to go insane. It can cause um, this like insanity. So here's a couple of things that I found um, on this very interesting deep dive. Now, I I was like psychologically a little afraid to do a deep dive on this because (laughs) I suffer from insomnia from time to time and it can last like 10 days at a time. And it's just brutal. Like I can sleep for like an hour a night for 10 days and it's absolutely horrible because then you're just like a crying mess. You know, I'm like sitting at a red light, just sobbing. (laughs) Mm-hmm. <laughs> because I'm so tired. And then the minute the lights go out, my eyes are like wide open. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just awful. However, here's what I found about this insomnia um, over a long length of time causes a whole slew of issues. Um, 
And it tends to be the insanity tends to be partnered with like insomnia and like schizophrenia where Mm. people start like hallucinating Um, extreme sleep deprivation creates hallucinations. It creates extreme irritability. It can cause insanity. And I say that in air quotes because insanity isn't really it's just a blanket term for a mm-hmm. whole bunch of like psychological yeah. illnesses. Yeah. Um, but schizophrenia is one of them. There has, the, there has been like a general consensus that lack of sleep can lead to death if it's like extreme enough. And I didn't actually find a whole lot of proof to show that that can happen. What does end up happening is um, horrible sleep or like a bad insomnia over years can cause like hypertension, heart disease, and some other things that will like hasten death. Right. That are maybe related to stress. Like those things come from stress and maybe not ever being able to sleep and relax adds yes. to all those stress. Like factors. not being in REM sleep adds to that, but it's not a cause of death. However, mm-hmm. there is an ultra, ultra rare sleep deprivation that can cause death. It is so rare um, that it only affects something around 30 people on the entire planet. Wow. It is genetic. So that's really shitty. It's a super sleep deprivation related death. And it doesn't really kick in until the age of 45 to 50, mm-hmm. where problems sleeping start bec- becoming a main issue. Um, and it's problems falling asleep and problems staying asleep. Mm-hmm. But also it becomes a hallucination based issue and a whole bunch of stuff. And these people end up very rapidly dying um, from this genetic sleep deprivation. So it only affects. 30 to 50 people on the entire planet. Yeah. Like in poor, the world or 30 to 50 people. That sounds awful. And the no, other it's thing, horrific. The other thing is like, she specifically talked about the REM sleep and the deep sleep. And so I wondered too, um, because she said that's where dreams happen. I wondered too, what about all the lighter levels of sleep? Are those just like nothing then? Like do you have to get those deep levels to even count as sleep. Is that kind of what she's trying no. to say? No, you REM sleep is where you have that like cognitive, like repair, long-term memory, you know, short-term memory is converted into long-term memory, which is why if you're not sleeping well, forgetfulness is like a big issue. Um, but any kind of sleep is better than nothing. So, you know, when Picard and Riker are talking about how, like, I'm feeling pretty beat up. Why don't you go get a couple of hours of shut eye and, and come wake me um, even 90 minutes. So 90 minutes tends to be the, the complete cycle where you can fall into REM sleep and back out because your sleep waves are kind of like a roller coaster. Mm-hmm. You don't fall into REM sleep one time the whole night. You can fall into REM sleep, which is rapid eye movement sleep where you dream um, like 10 to 20 times a night. Mm-hmm. So each of those cycles can take something along the lines of like 90 minutes. So when napping, if you're really sleep deprived and you want to sleep for a few hours, it's recommended that you sleep right around 90 minutes, but not a whole lot longer than that, because then you fall into another REM cycle and it's really hard to wake up out of that. And you're kind of discombobulated. So you want your body to go through one cycle and and sleep. But if you can't go into deep REM sleep, you're never going to feel super restored. And that's where like forgetfulness becomes an issue. I had a really great time kind of looking into this where I was like, oh my God, because I have heard a bunch of times like, oh, if you don't sleep, you eventually like die. It's like, that's not completely true. Yeah. We need to connect a few dots there. Yeah. Based on what I found, I could be, Hey, I'm not a doctor. I could be wrong, but that was like, okay. It doesn't seem like a lot of direct proof to indicate that lack of sleep causes you to die. Right. It's just stress related illness mm-hmm. kinds of catching up to your body, which makes yeah. a lot of sense. Now in this episode, people died from lack of sleep because they murdered each other. Yeah. So it wasn't like yes. I just fell over dead because I didn't sleep enough. It was yes. the hallucinations that just yep. 
took over where they're hearing things and seeing things and thinking things that are not aligned with reality. And then Mm -hmm. they're taking actions based on that, which was super sad. And when you see it start to happen on the enterprise, I mean, for me again, like the drunk virus, it was just like, uh Oh, like this is a big problem. We need some like emergency procedures in place. I don't know. Everybody needs to be locked in their quarters or something. And just like, let, just let data run this whole piece. Um, And that's actually what Picard does, because at one point he thinks that the turbo lift is trying to attack him Mm -hmm. and the doors open on the bridge and he's like, ah, and everybody runs over and Worf is like, sir. And he looks and he's just sitting on the floor of the turbo lift screaming at nothing. And he stands up and he's just like, as you were just like nothing happened. (laughs) And then he's like data with me. And he's just like, yeah, very, very soon data. I think you are going to be in charge of this whole ship. And Mm -hmm. our survival depends on it because we are all losing our crap and we don't even know where we are. So there's no way we can have any solutions or protect the ship. We don't know what to do productive. And data's just like, of course, sir, right away, sir. Which is like, thank God for data. Thank God you've got data. Why doesn't every ship have one of data's? I mean, to to do stuff. Exactly. Exactly. Troy and data really are like the MVPs of the entire ship. Um, Now, a couple of things are happening that we haven't quite talked about yet. One is that the only person who is dreaming is Counselor Troy. She's having these horrible, cheesy, Peter Pan-esque nightmares Mm -hmm. where she is seeing the binary star surrounded by a bunch of clouds. And there's a voice that keeps saying um, two eyes in the dark and the moon circles and two eyes in the dark. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Thank you. One moon circling and two eyes in the dark. And she's like, what does this mean? What does this mean? She starts to realize as she's working with this beta Z who's catatonic, he's muttering telepathically and he ends up saying two eyes in the dark and one moon circling. And she's like, Oh my God, it's not he like, he's having the same nightmares. I am like, what Mm -hmm. is going on? Um, meanwhile, Riker tries to go get some shut eye. And he's like, I feel like somebody's always in my quarters waiting for me. And the music as he's like walking around and hearing creaks and groans, I'm like, Mm -hmm. Oh my God, that is like Mm -hmm. my worst nightmare. And then my worst nightmare actually happens when (laughs) Dr. Crusher is examining the bodies of the deceased scientists. Oh my gosh. That isn't that the scariest shit ever. So so going back to Riker's thing, right? Like I always, I feel like I hear people in my quarters and let me tell you, let me tell you if I felt like I heard somebody in my quarters and I thought somebody was in there, I would not be going to my quarters. I wouldn't. Nope. And if Picard's nope. like, go get some sleep, I'd be up in Jordy's quarters or I'd be sleeping on the bridge. Can I would I not go to my quarters. with you guys? Yes. I would not go. Like, I just wouldn't go there. I'd be sleeping in the observation lounge. But like, so for him to even go there, I was like, wow, that's brave. Cause I would be like, no, I'm good. I'd sleep outside mm-hmm. of my quarters, but we're not doing that. I'll sleep then, in the hallway. Yeah. And then he ends up seeing snakes, which is pretty scary, but not to me as scary as someone in my quarters. Like that's scary yes. to me. Yeah. Then we go to Beverly, which is even scarier. Somehow she's in the morgue, which apparently there's a morgue. So that's like a new thing. Too. I feel like, I feel like it's just a cargo bay that they were like using because do you ever plan to have that many dead bodies ever? It's the enterprise. Maybe they plan for everything. I, <laughs> I, I guess. Know. I don't they know. Do have, they do have upwards of 20 transporter rooms. They probably do have a morgue, I guess. <laughs> but in any case, she's in some room with a whole bunch of corpses and you're like, okay, well, that, uh. alone, that alone is kind of creepy, but you're like, she's a doctor. I guess she's used to it, whatever. And then there's this moment where one of them sits up at like, you, it's like this, the camera pans. And when it pans back, one of them is sitting up and you're like, no, what the? All and then them. she's like, yeah. she's like, wait, what is that? And she kind of closes her eyes. And when she opens her eyes again, they're all sitting up and you're just like, okay, with sheets over them. Yeah. Okay. Like I'm so done with this. Like, and then she closed her eyes again. And she says to herself, 
or she says out loud, go away, go away. And when she opens her eyes, they're all laying down flat again. And she's like, oh, it was just a hallucination. Are you kidding me? When that first body set up, I'd be like, I'm out of here. When they all set up, I would be screaming like in the corner, terrified because she was on the other side from the door. Like Mm -hmm. I wouldn't even feel comfortable running towards the door. Like I would have lost it. The fact that she just went go away and they went away. Like again, totally impressed. impressed. I remember it vividly watching this episode when I was like 10 years old with my dad and being scared shitless about that. And guess what? When I watched this episode yesterday at night (laughs) before we recorded today, Mm -hmm. I went 1.5 speed through that on Netflix. And when that scene came, I just did like the 10 second buffer just to get through it. I was like, nope, 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 nope. We're not doing this. I'm not watching this. It was, it is still so terrifying. There is something so vividly, viscerally terrifying for Mm -hmm. us as the living to see the dead animate. You're like, (laughs) you know, it's just the most unnatural thing in the world. what, What makes this terrifying is because usually when we see the dead animated on a show or a movie, it's like you're you're like packing dirt on a grave and then like a hand comes out and grabs you or something, which is scary. Oh, God. But Super this, scary. this is worse because you don't even see them move. They're just in a different location. And you're like, what? Because like, yes. it's like this, the fear keeps going because you didn't even see it happen. Mm-hmm. And then you're like, well, what else will I not see happen suddenly? It's got this extra layer of psychological damage to it. So it was creepy. Super, I, I have to say so far, this wins the award for the scariest scene in TNG so far that we've had. And I feel like nothing yeah. happens. No, nope. I think this, this is the rest of TNG. I think this is absolutely the creepiest moment ever. But then now it's short and now, and you're just like, how is Beverly still going? We don't know, but she is yes. they're all, they're all hanging on. Uh, they're still, they're still hanging on. Some people are starting to fall apart because the QAnon folks start cooking up some conspiracy and 10 forward <laughs> about how like the captain is, he's, he's like he's behind all of this. Or he's whatever. behind all this. He's made all this happen. It's a way of controlling. And I was like, wow, idiots in the 24th century are about the same as idiots everywhere today and through history. Like there are still people who are just looking for weird connections where things don't connect where it's like, so we're all in this horrible situation. Picard has been pretty transparent about this. Nobody's sleeping. That sleep deprivation is creating some, you know, insane behavior. Mm -hmm. And people are like, you're doing it to us. I'm not going to be controlled. It's like, oh boy. It's really interesting, right? Because people are having all kinds of hallucinations and, and fears of things. Riker seeing snakes, Beverly seeing corpses, and some people are seeing conspiracy theories. It's really interesting how how brains are wired to see like yeah. what their version of terrifying is. Because to me, conspiracy yes. theory is not terrifying. It's just kind of like okay, whatever. But like yeah. the other stuff, I'd be like, oh my gosh, like that would yes. freak me out. It would freak yeah, me absolutely. out. Absolutely. So it's really absolutely. interesting to see how they kind of fall apart. In the meantime, when Troy makes this connection that the Beta Z and her are sharing the same nightmare. She goes, wait a minute, maybe it's not a nightmare at all. Maybe it's a type of telepathic communication and message and our REM sleep cycles as betazoids is different from, from humans and apparently all other types of species that are on (laughs) the enterprise because it's not just Mm -hmm. humans, but it is mostly humans. Um, but their, their REM sleep like is on a different frequency or whatever, so that this communication is coming through to them in the form of dreams. And at the same time is disrupting the ability for everyone else to sleep. So yes. now it's like, so what is the message? If this is a communication, what is the message? And, the, and then data kind of hypothesizes, maybe there's another ship on the other side of the rift that's also stuck. And it's just trying to like communicate with us to figure out how we can both get unstuck. Yes. 
And the stream keeps saying eyes in the dark and one moon circling or one moon circles. And Troy is like, it's a message. Let me work with data and kind of figure out what we need to do. Because what they theorize is that in order to break out of this Tykens rift, you need to create an explosion of such massive energy that it displaces the rift. And thus you can like go through it and break out. Mm -hmm. Now, they're like, we have all these molecules on our ship. And Riker's like, can't we just like make, you know, with the replicator, like make the whatever they make. Yeah, whatever the Tykens people need. Yeah, whatever they made in order to like break out. But, you know, but Data's like, no, because we've been in this rift for so long and our energy is being drained away that like our replicators can't even like make these complex molecules. So we have to work with whatever we've got. And so Troy is working with Data and she sees the hydrogen molecule and realizes that the one moon circling is one electron circling one proton in the Mm -hmm. nucleus. Mm -hmm. And it's like one moon circles, which is actually a really great message like one moon circles it's one ridiculously mo- clever because troy was trying to figure out troy and data they're trying to figure out what message troy can send to the alien vessel to let them know that yes i understand your communications from us and so data's like you could tell them this you could tell them that and she's like no it can't be a long message it has to be something so simple that they cannot miss it and as they're looking at these molecules she's like oh wait they sent us a message so simple that we can't miss it i mean you would have to know to be looking at Atoms and hydrogen. Know, I mean, yeah. there's some, there's some stuff you'd have to know to get to there, but one moon yeah. circling was like about the easiest, best, most simple way you could describe a hydrogen atom because like they probably don't call it hydrogen, they call it something else in their language. So yes. I thought like that was really clever. And then when Troy's like, all right, what do we need to tell them? And data's just like, they've already told us the only message you need to send is now. Like yes. we're ready, we got it now. Like you yeah. don't need to explain to them the plan. They've come up with the plan, which yes. I really love too, because now we have this alien species we never meet, but they've come up with a plan for their own rescue. And they tried to get the Britain to help them, but they couldn't. And now mm-hmm. they're trying to get the Enterprise to help them. So they've been stranded for like two months. In at least. Trip. At least. At least. Yeah. Um, but they only knows plan. how long they've been there. Yeah. And all Troy needs to do is say now, like now, now. And but they only have two minutes of power in which data can be releasing hydrogen into the rift. So mm-hmm. they have to get that message within two minutes to like fire upon the hydrogen with whatever their compound is to mm-hmm. cause the explosion. Cause if they miss that, they're not going to get another chance. Yeah. Which really like that kind of brings my anxiety level up because I get that she has two minutes to deliver the message, but in dream time, two minutes is like nothing. Like yeah. one minute, two minutes, three hours, 10 days. Like when you're yeah. asleep, there's no concept. Time has no meaning. Yeah. It has no meaning. So I'm like, you know, it's a TV show. So of course it's going to work. But in real life, I'm like, oh, two minutes of REM sleep. Two minutes. Could be, yeah. Could be like a second in of dream time. I don't know. Well, what's interesting is that upon the research that I found, um, our dreams, which, you know, we all have those dreams where we're like, oh my God, I dreamt for like an hour that I was like, you know, flying a kite or whatever your dream is. And those dreams that feel like they go on for hours are just a few seconds long, actually. Just a few seconds, like, you Mm -hmm. know, up to like 20 seconds, like you had this 20 second long dream, but in the dream, you were in there for like 45 minutes, Mm -hmm. which is really interesting. So I think that two minutes in the real world actually works in her favor because that's like Mm -hmm. 10 years in dream time. Okay. Okay. Um, But I I was like, that's kind of cool. I felt like it could be short. It could be long. We have no idea. Um, yeah. but apparently people do have an idea. Okay. So in that case, I'm cool with it. <laughs> so it turns, it turns out everything works out fine because the, the hydrogen ends, you know, they, they stop streaming the hydrogen cause they run out and you see it sort of disappear off. And I love how they color this hydrogen, which is 
colorless. They colored it red so we could see it, which is kind of cool. And they see it go streaming into the rift and then nothing. And Picard's like, oh, God damn it. Like, we're so screwed. And then kaboom, this gigantic explosion. And as they go into the rift to try to get through it and out of it, you see this sort of like glowing kind of ship Mm -hmm. come out the other way. Mm -hmm. And I was like, was that the ship? Why is it glowing? So so many questions. So cool. That ship was so cool. And like, yeah. And that it's a whole telepathic species. You're just like, who are these people? I yeah. want to meet these people. So cool. But just seeing the glowy ship was enough. But I will tell you when Troy's trying to deliver her message, like I was pulling my hair out at the scene because she's in the stupid Peter Pan glowy cloud and she's going, yes, where are you? I need to tell you something. I need to talk to you. Where yeah. are you? Just say now, girl. All you need to say is now. Just start screaming now, 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 now. Just keep yeah. saying it. I was like, yes. why is she saying I need to talk to you. I have to find you. I have to see your yes. face. And no, the you wind don't. Is blowing. Yes, you don't need to see their face. Just say now. Just say now. Say now like a hundred times. 100 That's times. all you have to do. Now we got your message. Now we sent the hydrogen. Now explode it. Now, like yeah, <laughs> like I felt like she could literally say anything more helpful than where are you? I need to talk to you. I need to find you. You only have two minutes, girl. You spent like one and a half minutes doing that. It was like classic TNG style tactic that drives me crazy. (laughs) Yeah. No, I absolutely understand. It's like, this is a bunch of nonsense here. Yeah. Because when she was going, where are you? Come, come to my dream palace. Maybe there's some (laughs) stuff we can talk about. I don't know. Like have a coffee. Where are you? I was like, stop with the nonsense. Yeah. Send your message. You know, luckily, luckily in TV land, it worked. She woke Mm -hmm. up smiling right and data is like okay everybody's gonna go get some shut eye for the next 35 days and like i'll just be at the helm you know so everybody goes to get some shut eye and everything ends happily ever after yeah there were there were two parts we skipped that i did want to come back to because i think they're interesting one was Worf almost killed himself but troy telepathically picked up on it and stopped him before he plunged the ceremonial dagger into his heart and I just love seeing Worf's quarters. Like, it's so cool. You can see all the weapons and he's got, he has a dagger just for self-killing. Happ- happens to have it handy. Why not? I, like every good I don't on. like Worf's quarters. I feel like it just smells like metal in there. You know, like if you taste metal, like <laughs> it just smells know. like metal. I don't know what it would smell like in his quarters. It is often dark in his quarters, but I think. Oh, no, that- it would 100% smell like some sort of pungent herb and metal. That's what it was. There's metal <laughs> everywhere. Okay, well, like a metallic smell. Um, on that note, that was interesting, and I'm I'm glad he didn't kill himself because that would have just like yes. I feel like Beverly would have been like, "Come on, dude! Like I'm barely keeping it together, and now I'm supposed to do some kind of crazy surgery on you. No time for this." Yeah. Um, and then the I others- do. Go ahead. Before before we get to the next thing, I do think that something that Worf said was very impactful, actually, to me, where he was like, "I'm not strong. I'm not a warrior." I'm not a man. I'm afraid. And I just Mm -hmm. thought this makes me really, really sad that that toxic masculinity seeps in, even if you don't want it to like in this day and age, you know, things are becoming much more woke, but there's still, I'm still seeing a lot of like men struggling with like, I'm not feeling strong. I'm not feeling powerful. I'm not a man. And it's like, you are, and you're afraid and that's okay. Mm-hmm. It's okay, Worf. You know, it's okay yeah. to be afraid. We're all afraid. Whoever told you it's not okay to be afraid, that's messed up. Because mm-hmm. fear is like something that every single alien species mm-hmm. and human and everything is like born with. Mm-hmm. So to be like 
feeling so down about yourself that you want to kill yourself because you feel fear. Like that kind of broke my heart for Worf, honestly. All jokes about his metallic smelling room aside, that kind of broke my heart for him. For real. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. And that he's not allowed to be afraid in the Klingon culture. But, you know, fear is, like you said, it's primal and it keeps us alive. Like that's the purpose Mm -hmm. of fear. It's to alert us of danger so that we don't Mm -hmm. die. And I feel like as a warrior, you need to have a heightened sense of fear. Yeah. Because you are the kind of person who can stay alive in any situation. So you Mm -hmm. need to kind of be aware. You need to have spidey senses. And that's pretty much what spidey senses are. It's just awareness of scary things. Um, So, yeah, that was sad. But I'm really glad Troy sensed that that's what he was going to do and ran in just in time and like the ledge and brought him back out. The second time where people were just losing their crap is when we have the same guy, Gillespie, in 10 forward, still stirring up trouble. And it turns into a full-on brawl, a full-on bar brawl that lasts for yep. about 1.3 seconds before Guinan pulls out this giant gun. Mm-hmm. I mean, she did call security, but security wasn't doing what they need to do because right after they got we there, all know that the security gun. on the enterprise is not great. They <laughs> oh, still haven't done their like revamp just- of the program. <laughs> and we're still having, we're, they're still finding body parts of the Antikins and the Sele, you know, everywhere. <laughs> they, security is not doing their job. They never are. Yeah. She gives security about one second to get the situation under control. They fail. <laughs> so she pulls out a giant gold gun, which is such a cool looking prop. Huge phaser rifle. And fires it into the air. And she's like, all right, gentlemen, everyone have a seat. We're done now. And you're just like, ooh, Guinan is so cool. <laughs> like this barbell yes. could have gotten really out of hand. And we could have had a few more bodies on our hands, but the only bodies hitting the floor are those that Guinan decides need to go down. They're not going to yep. die, but they're not going to be happy. Mm-mm. So she pulls out the gun and everyone's like, <clears throat> on second thought, I'll just have a drink. Thanks. So yes. Much. And she goes, that was setting number one. Anybody care to see number two? And I was like, fuck yeah, Guinan, such a badass. I was like, where do I get myself a face right? rifle? She's like, and we a don't, bar we don't, to break we don't fight in my bar. We don't do that. We don't do that. <laughs> She's like, all. what do you think this is? Tatooine? sit down. <laughs> <laughs> I would have loved if she said that. How cool would that have been? <laughs> so anyways, I just want to hop on those two scenes because I thought they were really just interesting slice of life pieces. But at the end, all is well. Data orders everybody to go to sleep and he's like taking them off to Starbase 56 or whatever. Mm-hmm. And all is well with the world. So my final thoughts about this episode was it's not as bad as I remember but I will not be adding it to the rewatch rotation. Mm -mm. My final thoughts were, thank God that's over. And I never want to see it again. I hate this episode. I think the mystery was kind of clever, like the one moon circles. But I mean, to be honest, if they were really trying to communicate simply one moon circling, why don't you just say hydrogen? Just say that. Although I think you did bring that up. Like it's possibly not their word for it. So Mm -hmm. I guess one moon circles. But anyway, yeah, I'm just thankful that we made it. I feel like I lost a bunch of REM sleep just watching this. I was exhausted trying to get through this. And I was like, now I need a nap. Anyway. Only 90 minutes. <laughs> Only 90 That's right. Minutes. Anyway, I love nerding out with you about this, Sharice. This was really fun. This is <laughs> Next- super fun. Thanks for the deep dives on dreams, by the way. Oh, you're welcome. I love doing that kind of stuff. Next week, guys, we are breaking down season four, episode 18, Identity Crisis. Thank you so much for listening. We will see you next week. Bye. Thanks for geeking out with us. Be sure to join the crew at the TNGpodcast.com to be the first to know when we do our live shows or host events exclusively for our members. We'll see you next time. <laughs>